This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Optimal Relationships Daily, episode 1065. Does joining a grief support group on Facebook help? by Reed Peterson of GriefRefuge.com. Hello, everybody. I am your host and narrator, Greg Audino. Really looking forward to kicking off a brand new week of ORD with you. I've got some great posts lined up as we prepare to say farewell to August. Not sure where the time went. And to start is another post from Reed Peterson of Grief Refuge. Today, he'll be talking about grief and how the process of grieving intersects with Facebook and the common tendency to share or seek support on social media. So let's hear what he's got for us and start optimizing your life. Does joining a grief support group on Facebook help? By Reed Peterson of GriefRefuge.com Some friends of mine recently lost a baby. The only way I know about this is from what they posted on Facebook. They were quite transparent and open about their loss, and they shared pretty much all of it on their profile page. As I read the post, I thought to myself, how sad and painful their loss must be. I also thought, why are they sharing something as personal and painful as this on Facebook? I mean, it was a very intimate sharing. It was a story filled with details of a 72-hour time period. After reading it for a while, I realized I had been holding my breath. There was so much loss, so much beauty, all in front of my eyes on this webpage. The moment it sank in that I had all this information about their loss, but hadn't talked to them, I began to feel sick to my stomach. I thought to myself, this is wrong. News like this shouldn't be shared this way. This is so personal, and I am more comfortable being with them, listening, empathizing, and even crying together if it felt authentic. But this is life now. The pandemic, everyone being busy, and social media as the norm for communication is how our world currently works. Technology is at our fingertips, and it's simply more convenient and common to broadcast events in your life on social media to stay in touch. But are you staying in touch? It's more like keeping tabs on others. Some people call this Facebook stalking. It's so easy to scroll through your Facebook wall, learn from the things people share, not comment or interact, and move on. That's also life right now. At this point, I have a question for you. Are you comfortable with sharing personal and intimate information on Facebook when you know that many people will read it and not respond? For me, the answer is no. It's just too awkward. And if I were to share something very personal, I would need to hear from people that mattered to me in order to get the support I'm looking for. Then there's also the issue about text. Not text messages, but text on screens. 
It's too easy to hide behind text. There are ways for posts to be filtered and shared in certain ways that are misleading, biased, or even untruthful. Coming back to the friends who lost their baby, after I got over my uncomfortable feeling about Facebook being the source of how I found out, I began to wonder what their intention was for sharing such a deeply personal thing on Facebook. Were they saving time by making an announcement to the masses? Were they seeking reinforcement and validation for their loss? Were they wanting to feel more seen and heard? I don't know what their intention was, and I likely never will. I could read through the several hundred comments to try to better understand. I could call them up and ask. I could bring it up with them the next time we're together. But I won't do any of those things. There's a strong likelihood that neither one of us will mention it in person. So, here I am. I've got this personal information, and I'm not really sure what to do with it, because it doesn't feel right for me to comment on Facebook. How strange our world is. I realize I'm of the opinion that expressing grief on Facebook is not as helpful as it would be to share with someone live and in person. That may be a little old school, and I'll definitely own that. However, I have seen hundreds of Facebook posts from people who are deeply pained by personal loss, but the people who comment end up sharing platitudes, judgments, and or cliches as a way of showing their support. Every time I see that, I ask myself, how helpful are these comments to the person who posted? Fortunately, I get opportunities to ask what happens after grief is shared, and no one responds. Nearly every time I ask someone, they say it doesn't help. They say they feel more lonely because what they were hoping for as a means of support wasn't expressed to them by what was shared in the comments, and I find that very sad. We live in a world of technological convenience. All the texting, voice dictation, and 10-second videos are what's common and normal now. This is the way we communicate. And with that convenience, there is a price to pay. Without hearing a tone of voice or seeing body language, it can be easy to read between the lines and assume. It is also easy to receive these words through your own filtered perception. Again, there's no way to know how someone is voicing what they communicate when it's all in the form of text. Having mentioned all this, I want to emphasize a moment of caution should you choose to share your grief on Facebook. Facebook, as with other social media platforms, is a very convenient way to communicate something. In regards to grief, it's easier than ever to find grief support groups on Facebook to share parts of your story and more about your loss. But what will come back to you? Who will respond? What will they write? I find it very courageous for grievers to join a Facebook group and type out a very personal and emotional message and then press the post button. That's a lot of trust to put into other members of the group. And yet, no one really knows each other. They just trust that other members have also lost someone special and that they'll understand, comment with words of support, and help you feel comforted in some of your most painful and vulnerable moments. How much trust can someone put into a group of strangers? I'm a member of several grief support groups on Facebook. On a daily basis, I see very few comments from one member to another that are very supportive and comforting. I have to assume their intentions are good, but there's a lot of assumptions that are exchanged. For example, imagine if you were in a situation where you were not just socially distant from your loved ones, but they lived very far away. You're more alone than ever, and you lean towards Facebook to feel a connection. You post something about the loss of your dad, and no one comments. How would you feel? That's one way grief can feel more hurtful. Or what if, for that same post, you got comments such as sending virtual hugs or sending good vibes or hugs and prayers? 
Comments such as these can leave a griever feeling invisible, insignificant, and uncared for. Where I advise more caution in sharing your grief on Facebook is with your intentions and expectations. It's common to hope for lots of comments and emojis to help you feel more comforted. There's nothing wrong with that intention. But be careful about your expectations. If you expect dozens or more comments and responses, it's really going to hurt if you don't receive them. It's also going to hurt if you expect real acknowledgement and connection. Somehow, Facebook has created a perception that you'll get that. But in reality, that only happens a small percentage of the time. Whether virtually or in physical reality, it's very common to feel alone in your grief. In the past, the more common ways to feel supported were to sign up for grief counseling or join a bereavement support group. Now, people are finding grief support groups on Facebook. Although Facebook groups can provide a convenient platform to share your grief, please use caution. Be conscientious about your intentions and your expectations. It's easy to feel more hurt when your post isn't acknowledged the way you hoped for, or you get responses full of platitudes, cliches, or superficial substance. You just listened to the post titled, Does Joining a Grief Support Group on Facebook Help? by Reed Peterson of GriefRefuge.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And a big thanks to Reed for such a great post today. I really love how he's chronicled his arc of feelings upon first seeing that post on Facebook. It's also relatable, right? It's so easy for us to see something really vulnerable get shared and wonder why the person sharing would expose themselves like this on social media. It's easy to think that sometimes doing so almost delegitimizes their pain. After all, how could going to social media be something they prioritize if things are indeed that bad? It took me a while to not get stuck in this loop of thinking myself. But as Reed explores, just as those posting shouldn't have an expectation, nor should we who are reading, healing comes in many forms. How and where people choose to express their feelings comes in many forms. We must look past how we expect others to both grieve and support. And as always, adopt the mentality of care and curiosity instead. We still always have the option of asking others if there's anything we can do for them or how we can be of service. This type of approach towards someone who is struggling will always be paramount and always be available, and it reminds them that you're flexible and willing to give them space, which is something they're likely yearning for. So, thanks a lot to Reed for this one. That's only the second work of his that we've shared as we just came across his site recently, and I really can't wait to look at more of it as grief is just so important to dissect, as I've said before. We are done now, though, so I appreciate you staying until the end. I hope that, as usual, you stop in tomorrow as we continue along with a post from a name you've heard around here once or twice, Evan Mark Katz. I'll see you tomorrow, everybody, where your optimal life awaits. <laughs>